So Haley, I just started recording, so we don't miss yep. any awesome things Mr. Wald says about us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to include those in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need to repeat everything. <laughs> yes, you need to compliment. Everyone ready? We're ready. ready. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for yet another Lash Cast. Uh, we just want to start out this episode with a huge thanks to everyone who has supported and listened thus far, especially one lady in particular, Sarah Poole. Sarah gave us some wonderful feedback and is helping support the spread of women in STEM. Yep, Haley, and that couldn't have happened without another lovely lady, our featured guest today, Amanda DeWald. But before we get into how I personally know her and what she has done to inspire women, let's get into some fun, natural banter. So Haley and I are interested in your thoughts as well on this. So the question today is, what do you think is humankind's greatest invention? Oh, dear. Well, hello, hello, everybody. First of all, um, from the mountains of upstate New York, humankind's greatest invention uh, was was wheat, was learning how to grow um, and cultivate grain so that we can have biscotti and bread and all those whole grains that are so good for us. I like that answer. I was just thinking uh, cheese puffs. Um, <laughs> well, that's a variation on the uh, of a variation. So we're kind of on the same page. <laughs> that's so funny. I right before you came on, I had to yell at Haley because she had eaten like four hundred cheese puffs. Like, in five <laughs> like no, Sarah doesn't puffs. tolerate that kind of thing. No, no, she does not. <laughs> well, I had eaten three hundred, and so I wanted Haley to stop because mm-hmm. I didn't get to have four hundred. So. We, yeah, we both had, I don't know where my bag, oh, yep, here's my bag. Yep. Ooh, you, the queen of health, you're eating yeah. cheese puffs. Mine's almost I empty. <laughs> it's been a long day. As you can see. Yes, so yes. we both had cheese yes. puffs. So, yes. ugh, what do I think is, so Haley, is that your final answer? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, so since we picked this question, I was like sort of thinking about it at work today, and I for some reason, thought, like, feminine hygiene and, like, stuff like that was, like, one of world's greatest creations and, like, the newer products. I don't know. That just came to my mind um, as something maybe more unique that I think of, like, a greatest invention. But I don't know. I I mean, there's a lot of different answers I was thinking, like, computers and, and technology and all of those other things. Um, it was hard for me to like pinpoint a certain, a certain greatest invention. What did, what were you kind of thinking right away, Sarah? The first thing that comes to my mind is books, but oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's my final answer, but I feel like that's probably top five like books. Cause I think obviously the internet is cool and, Mm-hmm. Um, media is cool, and oh, I guess book books are technically media, but virtual media is cool. But it's nice to have something physical that doesn't change. I mean, you can lose it, but it's if you have it, then it's the same all the time. It, I guess, technically, in all ways, things can get damaged or corrupted, whether they're physical or virtual. But something about a book, hmm. absolutely, something about a book. Yeah. 
I yeah, 100% awesome. agree with all of the above, feminine products and books. <laughs> yeah. The only things you need in life. <laughs> you go. No, you go. Okay. I'm Haley. And I'm Thyra. We love learning. We love discovering. And, and we, we love, love talking. Are we experts on literally everything? Absolutely not. But how will we learn if we never start the conversation? So, we hope you'll join us for this literal journey. It is a privilege to have on this podcast, the lady that we have on this podcast. I met Ms. Zwald, aka first name Amanda, as a student in her welding class. Watching her be skilled in her craft and getting to know her, Amanda has been quite an inspiration for me after meeting her a few years ago. Welding, a trade not many women frequent, she can wield a torch like you'd never believe. And I've also seen her lecture in front of a classroom full of young men, apart from myself and a couple other girls, and display knowledge, kindness, confidence, and receive respect. I've known her as an instructor and more recently as a friend. Amanda is a multi-talented lady who has lived in the country and in the city. She is beautiful inside and out and full of interesting experiences, including being an up-and-coming bread maker. So I was not, I like the we answer because I was like, oh, yes, going to give you a shout out for that. (laughs) Apart from baking and welding, she has worked on construction projects to satisfy her need to be doing and creating. I am pleased to call her my friend. Here is a little bit from Amanda Zwald. Thank you, Sire, for that kind introduction. I have been welding for about uh, 13 years, and I um, am in my mid-40s now. So that should tell you right off the bat that I didn't start welding until I was in my early 30s. And um, so I myself went back to school and broke away from uh, a previous career also in teaching, um, but not in, not as a shop teacher, um, and was a student in my early thirties with many 18 year old men in an adult education program. And I had a blast with them. They were the best uh, co-workers that I could have asked for, but I want to just give a little bit of encouragement and confidence to people right off the bat that there's a lifetime to learn and explore new avenues. Um, if you find yourself with a nagging itch to do something different than you're doing, whether it's professionally or personally. And um, I have a, a great passion for uh, the trades and the, the manual skills that are so essential to keeping our world running and the people that do these jobs. And um, I come from people that did these jobs. And I think that drove me towards trying to learn, um, trying to have the self-respect, I would say, that comes with what I would call grit, meaning a combination of know-how and courage. 
So I think that you have to feel capable. I personally in my life had to feel like I was capable in a practical sense um, to honor the life that had been passed on and created for me, um, passed on to me and created for me. People I came from who raised me along with my fantastic parents were manual blue collar folks. And I, I don't say that as, as like an empty exercise. I think people, we inherit certain traits and tendencies. And um, I can see through my own life that I've inherited certain parts of my personality and my um, tendencies for work and how I approach life from all the different people that that came before me. So that that personally has been a big inspiration for me. Um, I've been making things since I was a child. I was always very, very oriented towards um, manual work and creative work. I love the applied sciences. I think that science is really, really uh, interesting and cool. And that, you know, I read an article not too long ago. It was a very short brief about the exact age at which young women lose interest in the technical trades and the technical fields of science and math. And it really, it struck me because that's really what happened to me. I mean, I grew up in my uh, early middle school years convinced that I was going to be a pilot in the Air Force. And I was going to fly an F-111 for some reason that stuck in my mind as the airplane that I was going to fly in the Air Force. And I was really stuck on that for um, a lot of my middle school years, elementary and middle school years. And then suddenly I, I got these ideas into my head that I couldn't do chemistry, that I didn't want to, um, that I was too short to be a pilot, which probably was factually true. Um, <laughs> uh, doubts and a change of direction happened at, at the same time that this article was mentioning between the ages of 11 and 15 that at, at around 11, there's a, a great increase in, in interest among young girls in the technical fields and that it fades away quite abruptly by about age 15 or 16, which, which really did reflect my life. So I think that having come full circle and working in an applied science, welding is very much a, a, an applied science, just like automotive or carpentry, electrical, you know, all of these trades are very much based in hard sciences, but we are applying these um, concepts. We are less deep into the theory, perhaps, than a, a in my case, a welding engineer or a metallurgist um, that has a PhD and works in, in a mining and metallurgy sort of context, but we do have a grasp of chemistry. We have to, in order to troubleshoot what's happening with our materials and 
Uh, we have to be technically savvy with our tools, precise with our information. And um, I think encouraging young women into the fields that combine the technical mind and the great rewards of learning with your hands is um, something that can really be fulfilling for for everybody, for whether you're a, a, a woman or a man. And also I think can really help our communities and help people around us. I think we don't talk about that enough that we really do um, have skills that give us the capacity to help those around us in concrete ways. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, it's nice to like shed, shed light on to your program and kind of show like maybe the differences between those uh, being a, a welder, a welding engineer and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I really liked what you said that you didn't really get into welding until a little bit later in your life. I think that's really encouraging for probably like a lot of people listening to this. I know it's encouraging for myself. Sarah and I were just talking kind of about like, like kind of almost not knowing what we wanted to do um, with our lives. And so it's encouraging f- to know that you, you know, you found your passions um, a little bit later, you know, you didn't start off with your passions when you were 15 or 16 and, and run with them. So that's really cool. No, yeah, my that's... passions are evolving and changing all the time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Which, in, in a way that makes sense to me, but probably not to most other people in the world. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. That's such a yeah. free thought process because you don't, f- have to feel this stress of oh I can't figure it out right now which means I'll I'll never find anything you just pick something and pursue it wholeheartedly and then when that season is over then you pick the next thing and you pursue it and so I think that's such a freeing yeah way to think I did have some questions for you though Mm -hmm. um and these are based on what you just said so I actually, I think I, I'm not sure that there's like one article, I'm sure there's maybe more than one resource about it at this point, but I was reading, well, I was listening to a TED Talks that I had mentioned a few episodes ago with this lady, Debbie Sterling, who is the founder of Goldie Blocks, and she talked about that too, that girls lose interest in that window, and so my question for you was, I'm not sure if they gave reasons in the resource that you read, but what did you think are some reasons and I mean we don't have to get too deep on this but I just wanted to pick your brain and since you said you had gone through it yourself what are some reasons you felt like you you and other girls may lose interest and what are some things we can do to not let that happen yes I this was a university UC Davis University of California Davis um Brief. So it was a study, I believe, that was commissioned by Microsoft. And um, it was a very short brief of the findings. But certainly the idea about um, a conformity to social, what's expected in your life. Um, You know, for me personally, it was an expectation, for example, that I would go to a four-year college, which is not a criticism. It's a, a, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to have a family that gave me that 
opportunity and had that belief in me that I could do it. But I always looked back and thought I would have been better off going, for example, to a technical college or going to what I originally um, wanted to do and my parents encouraged me to do, but of course I didn't listen, which was um, to get a degree in art. I thought that was impractical at the time. And now I look back and see that it would have been, it would have opened up doors for me that I may not have seen at that time. So I think conforming uh, to what young girls see around them as what's expected, um, certainly lack of role models and who you have around you is a very big factor. So in a stereotypical sense, perhaps your, your guidance counselors, your neighbors, your family, do you have a, a woman who's a neighbor that is a plumber that would make an impact on you as a young girl? I didn't have women around me who were carpenters and welders and electricians. Um, I now am surrounded by them and work with them, but at the time I didn't see a lot of that reflected. So I think, I think, and I also remember the article citing that as, as certainly um, a factor that channels young people away from these fields. Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, I think hands-on learning is super important, especially in the decommissioning that's happened of our shops in our middle schools. That, that to me is, is a very um, damaging trend. My personal, personally, my favorite classes in middle school were wood shop and we had photography, we had a metal shop, we had table saws in seventh grade that we used now you would you wouldn't have that because of liability reasons and the students and the young people the young people who are our culture that we raise up miss out entirely on learning the the hand skills and the practical skills that really not only guide them, many of them into different careers, but also just are a part of becoming a capable human being that feels that you can take care of your home and take care of your family. And those are all important parts of the skill of the skilled trades as well. I kind of maybe just had like a comment. I, that kind of made me think about um, kind of when you were talking about your favorite classes being, um, wood shop or, or stuff like that. I wonder if that's a, a big part of it. I know personally, I felt as if the girl students in middle school weren't really guided towards those classes. Um, I don't know if you could touch on, on, on that experience as well. I feel like I noticed maybe, um, or, or, or girls had to stand out a little bit more than most of the guys to be kind of noticed by a shop teacher and to be directed into that sort of path. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it kind of just reminded me a little bit of like my middle school experience and 
and, and not- noticing a little bit of that um, kind of having to push to be guided instead of uh, where most guys are just kind of just thought as, as it's definitely could be an option as to take those classes. I think we need to encourage young men and young women more into the, the skilled trades. Um, I think that we devalue how much, I think there's a lot of appreciation for what we do, but there's also a lot of underestimation and misunderstanding about the types of skills and knowledge that go into being um, a tradesperson and our young people generally need more encouragement toward these types of jobs, whether they're um, young men or young women. I think that young women in particular, I would agree with you, face more of an assumption that 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 is not an option for them or that it's just not it's not um, mentioned really as not that people might believe this is not an option for you, but that it doesn't come to mind as a way to encourage your daughter. Exactly. I had a great privilege being a shop teacher at SUNY Delhi um, and just working with so many great young people. But I had a student, a young woman, not too long ago, who I thought had a very interesting story going through high school in Massachusetts. And she had a really different model in high school where the technical classrooms were still connected to the K through to the high school building. In our case in New York, a lot of times we've separated those into BOCES campuses. So some students go to the technical campuses, but many students don't have exposure at all. So at her high school, they cycled all the students, whether they be female or male, through a variety of trades where they spent half a year. So all the boys went through cosmetology (laughs) and then they went to carpentry and then they went to electrical and then they went to auto mechanics and all the girls went to auto mechanics and all the girls went to carpentry. And and in that that. cycle, my student who was, yes, it was a fabulous model. And they, they learned so many great practical skills, but also opened their minds to paths they may not have come across before. And in her case, she's a fabulous welder and she had never thought about welding before. Wow. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really, really cool to hear. Yes. Haley's Haley's from Michigan. Haley, is it a little bit more like that in Michigan or is it a little bit more like what we have here? Um, so I, I guess I was a little bit different than all of Michigan. I actually, there was a tech center near, nearby. Um, and so we had, we had the resources. They weren't mandatory, uh, kind of like, and was it, was it Massachusetts that you said? Yes. Uh, yeah. So we, we didn't really have like mandatory classes. We had more options, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that helped girls integrate more. Um, but so so probably more like New York. And that was even just my school. So I don't think that was very common in the rest of Michigan. I feel like you did a really good job in class making welding very, very interesting 
despite the fact that it is on its own, I feel like you had a really good, uh, you did a good job of making it interesting to listen, listen about. So can you give us and our listeners a basic overview of welding? And I know that's such a, again, a broad topic, but I, what we want you to do is give me, give me the year of school in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Sarah just no. was an excuse not to in class for a year. Are you happy that I didn't You're tell you all beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I can. I think I can do it. I um, I'm so glad that you found it interesting. Sometimes I think that eighty percent of the class is asleep, which usually is because <laughs> it's at eight in the morning and they are asleep. Or right, it's at one. Well, in your case, it was one in the yes, afternoon. That's what I was going to say. If I had the lunch. eight in the morning, it would have been a lot easier than the 1 p.m. spring semester hot <laughs> second floor Ooh. classroom. Ooh. <laughs> but we made our way through it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so welding is... Um, is is a metal joinery in a nutshell metal metal the science of metal joinery is welding and in the case of welding we have to bring um our base metals to a melting point in order to join those materials and so this gets into a lot of um manipulation of the electrical arc in the modern age, basically we are manipulating um, the heat generated by an electrical arc um, into channeling that energy, that heat into our base metals in order to melt it and join the materials. So the joinery process is only one small part of actually fabricating with metals fabrication really is I like to describe it as a a carpentry with metals because people seem to understand carpentry a little bit more uh, innately than welding probably people know more carpenters or relate to projects around the house where people are building with wood but the fabrication of metals um is a picture of metal working and welding is one part of that process because you also are um, designing and machining and um, surface cleaning and bending you know in a big shop bending metal would be its very own trade Um, because there's a lot of science behind being a press break operator. For example, one of those jobs that probably many people haven't heard of, but is so very skilled and underappreciated in throughout history, you know, people who have bent metal or um, even been tin knockers. So, so we say, which are uh, sheet metal workers who had fabulous mathematical mastery and throughout most of time we're doing all of these calculations in their you know in their head manually not not with um, digital aids so those those uh, 
metal manipulation trades there there's several of them in this broader category of metal work but your your welders also could be um, building pipelines in which case they most of the day would be welding pipe um, they could be uh, shop fabricators in a manufacturing facility they could be artists which also would be a form of fabricator um, they could um, be basically applying this science, this field that is the science of metalworking and metal joinery to any application. So, and I think that's funny as a woman because I can't tell you how many times, I think probably about 80% of the time that I first say to somebody that I'm a welder, they say, Oh, do you do art? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I don't find offense. I love art, but it's like if I was a 250 pound dude with a beard, you wouldn't be asking me that question, right? <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> it's true. They just assume that because I'm little and I'm a woman, that that means that I'm not in industry. Right. Wow. That's funny. And um. so, as an aside, right? Um, we, when I tell people that I'm a shop teacher, when people discover that I'm a shop teacher, they frequently say, oh, you, you, you teach art at that school. And I say, we teach welding. It's a two-year associate's degree. And the students can take it in any direction that they want to apply it. So if you master these skills, and we tend to work with three basic metals because of the affordability of them in a program context. So we work with steels that are, we refer to as mild steels, low carbon steels. We work with stainless and aluminum. And if you can get some mastery over those, you tend to, you know, if you're going into a more specialized manufacturing or aerospace field, you can work with your titaniums and, magnesiums and more specialized materials that we wouldn't be able to stock in a school shop. Um, and uh, if you, you can master this joinery process, which takes a, quite a while, Syra could probably talk about that a little bit though. Syra is one of those fabulously talented students who took very, very naturally to it and was <laughs> an ace in the shop. <laughs> quickly on almost every process that we did she's she's super talented so um you know some people it takes longer some people take two different processes we've got um process joinery that we do with flame which would be an oxygen and acetylene flame we do a lot of different processes with like i said the electrical arc welding and there are also many other more semi-automated and fully automated processes out there, um, especially in the modern age where people are sort of machine operators more than manually skilled humans that are, um, that are, that are working those metals into viable forms that we can use in our society. I hope yeah. that... Sure. sure. Answered it. 
No, it did. I, I was hoping when you were like, yeah, we work with three kinds of metals. I was like, oh, pick me. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two people in class. <laughs> and Haley didn't take welding yet, so I'll pick you. <laughs> I'll just come audit your class and be like, yeah, I totally know this. I wasn't here already. Um, That's funny. Miss Dwald, what is your favorite kind of welding to do? Well, I am a fully manual girl. Yeah, I I really am not um, a a person of the modern world <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm a real fish out of water in the modern world in in lots of different ways, but um. I started welding because I was inspired by an old blacksmith who became a mentor of mine and a, a wonderful um, person in my life. His name was Bob. He was a cobbler and uh, a blacksmith. He's gone now. Um, but he gave me free lessons in his blacksmithing shop. So I, I really started hammering you know the old way and I like the labor and the connect the connection to your hands that comes from the manual processes which would be TIG and stick basically once we get into MIG welding and flux core welding my interest drops off quite a bit (laughs) interesting okay I think those were um, two of my favorite as well. I think I, I did like Oxy too, though. I felt like yes. Oxy. I just like the fire. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. This is amazing. <laughs> I feel like there's such a, like a, like a nostalgic, uh, like a nostalgic feeling when stick welding, like it's like the what you start out with. So it's like whenever you go back to stick welding, to me, it feels because I don't know, for me, that was the first one I learned. Yeah, I, I think that there's an incredible mental and physical discipline that comes with stick welding, um, which is... Um, hard to describe in this very fast paced sort of world that we live in where your senses are constantly being assaulted by fast moving images and things like that. Um, You, you have to really observe very closely these in great detail, what is happening in the pool of molten metal that you are creating and respond to it. It's a very responsive craft. It means you aren't going in like a robot and just following the directions and thinking that it's going to come out right. It's the metal is constantly doing something different. And that's part of what can be frustrating. And that's part of what can be challenging. Um, And you as the operator are constantly responding to what's happening. So are, do you need to go faster? Do you need to go slower? And those things are very, very subtle. Um, do you need to be closer? Do you need to be farther away? Do you need to change your angle? Right. You, mm-hmm. you, you have these tools that you are using to try to make this molten 
puddle of metal um, behave with. And, and it's, um, it can be very mysterious, um, but you really do have to be very still and put everything out of your mind and you're physically totally covered up and in pr- at private quarters, right? With this, <laughs> with this phenomenon that nobody else is seeing except for you. So, yeah. 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 Just to explain, explain that a little bit yeah. uh, in the welding lab in Delhi. There are these booths. Are they concrete walled? They are. Yep. yep. They're concrete walled booths. And what do you call the curtain? What material is that? Is that just some sort of plastic? It's red. Yeah. I actually don't know what that's called. Those are, we just call them welding curtains. They do have a um, certain component to the um, plastic that blocks ultraviolet light. Right. Or technically what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So people around who are maybe not necessarily wearing protection don't get affected by what you're doing in your booth. And so that's the sort of solo aspect of it that uh, Mr. Wald is referring to. And I think that's so true what you were saying about having to be responsive because I, I do feel like I agree with what you said. I feel like welding in the year that I had it with you was pretty, it came pretty natural, but every time I felt like I had a handle on it, that's when I like couldn't get a plate. Right. And so it was just like, (laughs) when I felt like I had the grasp on it, then the metal did something different. And then I had to learn how to get a grasp on what the metal was doing then. And those were my challenges is realizing that it was not, yeah, this is the code. And once you master the code, then you can get it right every time. Right. Haley, did you say you had also welded? Yeah, um, I I did also weld. I I learned in um, a machine trades class in high school. Haley started a welding club in her college. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It kind of is not doing as well because of COVID. (laughs) But yeah, um, just trying to, I guess get the word out about welding. I'm definitely not an expert. Syra and I actually, one of the first times we hung out, our one of our first dates, we actually welded together <laughs> as a fun fact um, <laughs> on a weekend. Does Syra's husband know about this? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> yes, Owen does know about it. My husband, who's also a master welder. Yes, he is. He's wonderful. Yes. Haley, actually at the time, I can't remember if your club had just gotten started. And I think that was back when I'm pretty sure I was taking classes with you at the time. So we were both like gung-ho for welding. So we we, uh, hooked up with one of my other friends and he has the shed and he had some welding equipment. And we went, we did some plates. (laughs) <laughs> one Saturday or whatever it was and that was our fun day it's so fun yeah. we, we have in the school shop I mean you can't describe it and I'm sure you both could uh relate to this but you have so much fun don't you with somebody <laughs> else in your booth going through this learning experience together and just mm-hmm. yeah to, yeah I actually do remember that you were in that class because I remember you bringing in your dice 
uh, <laughs> and sitting it on the desk. <laughs> My sick day. Yeah. Yeah, your sick day. Well, I would just like to say one more thing on that point, which I think is so very crucial to all of this this whole discussion about um, STEM and the manual trades. The one of the most wonderful, rewarding things about this type of work, and you know, if you you if you're a guitar player or um, a musician of any kind, you relate to the fact that you need many many hours of practice in order to be good at this right you don't pick up a guitar and you're great at it mm -hmm. and the process of learning something that's a skill a hard skill which is those layers like you're talking about Syrah of the initial excitement of getting doing it at first and then you start to get a little bit good at it and then you hit these layers and layers and barriers in subsequent layers as your skill is building where you have to get through this hump you have to get over this challenge you have to break through this new wall that it's putting up in front of you and you have to persist through all these layers of building skill and that's something that's invaluable in human history in 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 life generally i think we have a tendency now to say, Oh, I did this once I, you know, is this okay? And <laughs> get impatient when things are not instantly uh, delivered to us, mm -hmm. instead of having to work at it, having to sit with it, having to suffer a little bit with it, having to figure it out and problem solve and uh, try to discover what you're doing wrong. You know, those can all be, we have to get through the, the setbacks and persist through them. And then only by doing that, can you get to some of the rewards of increased layers of, of, of excellence and mastery. Yeah, that is such mm -hmm. a good point. Um, actually, a little more broad of a topic, but I that exact thing gave me like an existential crisis a few years ago. I remember I had a teacher in high school who said to me like, kids like you who things come a little bit easier for in the beginning, have a really hard time following through with things. And I was like, ah, whatever. But I really found that to be so true in my early adulthood. I thought to myself like when there's any, when I was met with any resistance, like you said, as soon as things got hard, it was really easy for me to give up on things. And so I've had to learn that's, that's been a challenge for me is I've had to learn how to pers persevere in situations and then the re reap those rewards. And I, I had a one my, my best friend that I grew up with, she had really, really good grades in middle school and better grades than me, even though certain things didn't come to her as easily. And that's because she worked so much harder than I did and had that instilled in her. And I always had worse grades, even though I could do maybe better on a test because I didn't know how to apply myself. I never had to. And so when I had to, I didn't want to. And so that was a huge learning experience for me as, as a young adult. That is very insightful. That just hit <laughs> me and my existentialism. 
<laughs> I was probably about your age when, when I felt maybe, maybe a little bit younger, but yeah, when I really yeah. grappled with it. Do you feel like you can relate yeah. to that, Haley? I do think I can relate to that. And I, I think that um, I actually, I feel like a lot of people probably can relate to that. And I think it's a cool way of tying in welding because I think, I think maybe people do that, um, especially with welding is, oh, they get one good bead on a weld and then they're like, wow, I'm done. I, (laughs) I I must be a master welder now. And yeah, then you keep doing more beads and then you're like, wait a second. (laughs) Now I don't know if I'm, I'm as good as I thought. Um, So I think that's really cool. Like both of you um, talking about that persistence. Yeah. And I always tell the students, yes, when you do this 40 hours a week for 30 years, then you'll be great because <laughs> they'll show me the bead and go, yep. Look, isn't this great? And it is great for you having done it t- twice, you know, <laughs> which is not Stop a wasting my time. We need to respect, you know, also those mm-hmm. elders who really do have that master and what that takes, sure. you know, is, and right. I, I myself am not, um, not, I would not put myself in that category either. You know, I have a long way to go. And I, I think you, you develop these different expectations for what your level should be, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as you go through life, you know, your, your sense of your, your own standard for yourself sort of shifts. So as soon as you get there, you're not really there. You, you know, the, the benchmark has moved now. So. Oh, now I'm getting all this insight into how annoying I must have been when <laughs> I was like, Mr. Wald, you yes, gave I've, me a I've four had that out of five. <laughs> Where's my five out of five? <laughs> oh, man. My heart and soul into that one. Haley, were right. you going to ask something a little while ago? Oh, I just wanted to comment actually on... I honestly just love uh, hearing from you describe welding in such a scientific way. You know, of course, I've only had like, like small welding teachings throughout a few years I've been in school. Um, So I just find it, I find it so interesting to like have such a, uh, a scientific background in, in welding and bringing light to more of I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people's opinions about welding might just be like, oh, it's it's something that you do with metal. You're just putting metal together. And so I love that you're talking more about, yeah, there's an actual science behind it. And um, from heat to um, the certain type of metal you're using, um, what you're binding it with, uh, just all of those things are really interesting. And re- I'm really glad you talked about I think there's a great detail to everything, honestly, mm-hmm. that many, many, um, many forces, many people will underestimate, you know, the detail behind things. And I remember I worked with a teacher. I, I was a teacher in my early twenties, you know, but this was before I was a welder. And one of my colleagues used to teach science and he used to say, when we're doing a frog dissection with the students, 
I train them how to set up their table. So we have a stopwatch and we train with the tray and the scalpel and the, um, the frog and setting up, setting up, setting up, and then packing everything back up. So it's this routine that you mm-hmm. are training for um, how to properly set up your table. And you're doing this 12, 15 times before you actually get to cut the frog, you know, and his point was that there's, there's procedure, there's discipline, there's detail to everything, even something so simple as preparing the area for what the actual project is. And um, I, I can't tell you how, many times I've felt um, that people just, they, they think that I sort of like teach this hobby class or something in, um, a, in, I don't even know that a lot of people can picture that there's, it's a technical college. We train students to become the future trades people. We have labs. We're not in, ties and button down shirts were in work boots and jeans and we're really dirty and it's really loud. Right, Syra? Yeah. uh, You know, and that it's a degree that it's a um, specialization that is going to be a profession for the students going forward. So, and, and I, there's so many employers calling me saying, and my colleagues, not, not just myself, calling us and saying, we really need people. We really need people. And we can't provide the people that are necessary to support the industry in this country. In this little part of the state, we, we can't do it. The plumbing department can't do it. You know, the electrical department can't do it. Not to the point where you are producing enough skilled workers that industry is satisfied. We, we have a great shortage, I think, of appreciation for what it takes to really get into the details of these trades, to know our tools, to be skilled so that we can be really effective on job sites, um, to be able to troubleshoot. I think science uh, comes in a lot in the troubleshooting aspect of, you know, being able to recognize that your, your, your welds are lacking gas coverage. Um, what could that be from, you know, tracing it back to the functions of different parts and, you know, all of your, your, your argon tanks and your, your pressures and, you know, the different sources that that problem could be coming from. So, all that part is pretty scientific and we, we get into it, I would say in a little bit more detail than um, maybe some people would think necessary because we are trying to also confer um, college degrees. Yeah, I think those are good points. And actually, what I think welding is one of those things, at least for me, that the application of it is just as cool as the science behind it. And I remember, you know, you lecturing about those things like heat and different kinds of metal and different contents of 
different kinds of metal within a met a, an alloy within combinations of metals and actually one of the things that welding like i didn't think that i would get from welding going into welding was our respect for it because you also have to worry about safety or maybe worry is not the right word but you have to respect the craft because safety is an important component and you want to make sure your gas ratios are correct and you want to make sure that you're following other procedures so that you are not putting yourself at risk or the people around you at risk and so that was one of the things that I walked away from the craft learning about the science of welding is that you also need a respect for the safety behind it. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I think those are important points, whether or not you're going to be professional at anything. I think welding taught me that if getting into any field, let's say it this way, um, with a respect for it, as you say, um, a respect for some of the um, detail that and the history behind um how this skill has developed over time, what it contributes to the world. And also, you know, some of the chemical molecular reactions at play, but also if you stick to something for long enough, you can learn it. And I think that goes back to that determination conversation we're having. Yeah. I think one of the things um, I remember you teaching me to pay attention to and I think this happens with like a lot of things like when I started driving a Honda I all of a sudden noticed all the Hondas on the road um Owen's got a different kind of car now I'm noticing all that brand of cars but one of the things you really like helped me realize is like how prevalent welding is how it's everywhere even in the old school like desk chair setups that we (laughs) sit in in that lab and you know how it's in cars it's everywhere anything you look at that is yeah, metal fabrication most likely has some form of welding on it, whether it's MIG in like quick industry or TIG in more art applications or whatever it is. It's everywhere. Welding is everywhere. So I guess our next question, I want to know, what do you think might inspire women um, into the field of welding? And maybe it's something that they might not know about welding that would kind of grasp them or interest them in it um this i guess it could be like applications of welding as well or even um career paths that might not have they might not have even known about yeah i think that uh women who like to be a little bit who like to be active who don't want to be behind a desk which is increasingly hard to find jobs where you're not. Um, I think that if you're a person that really likes to be out there in the world, getting your hands dirty and um, fixing things and making things and feeling like you're part of a team that's really doing the, the, the dirty work in a way, or the, um, the nuts and bolts kind of stuff that keeps our roads intact, keeps our bridges being built, you know, keeps our petroleum and our water 
running all of this infrastructure is built at least in part by welders. Um, there's creative jobs as well that people may not think about. Again, I, I always go back to that carpenter of metals um, analogy because I think a lot of women may be more oriented towards detail oriented aspects of this, this trade. And that actually is of an area which I've heard employers comment on many, many times that their female employees are a great asset because of the detail oriented nature of um, the way that they work with their hands, um, which is not to say that there's not detail oriented men because there are, but I think female uh, tendency can be sort of more, yeah, organized and cued into some of the details of that fabrication work. There's a lot of manufacturing jobs that I think go under mentioned. And there's a lot of great organizations out there, such as the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association, which I think I I killed my students with uh, articles from the FMA and <laughs> a publication called The Fabricator. Um, there's... I think a lot of creative work that goes on, I think machining is creative. I think that these jobs where you're really connecting, like I said, the technical mind with your, your manual skill is by nature creative work. Um, and you do see at the end of the day what you have accomplished, which is re very rewarding for many people. Um, I think that more women should think about some of those manufacturing jobs that they may not otherwise think of. Many people think that manufacturing is on the decline in the U.S., whereas I'm sure both of you could speak to the fact that it, there's really quite a few jobs out there that require some technical background. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and so welding could be something kind of rough and tumble where you're in a shipyard uh, outside with three layers of winter clothes on and all your personal protective equipment. Or it could be something much more shop oriented or even super, super clean where you're in like a clean room environment like they have in some of the chip manufacturing plants. Um, or underwater. Or underwater. <laughs> it's super clean there. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about that paper. I was telling Haley a little bit about it. And I think that's what I wrote it on, underwater welding. Oh, cool. I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I think there's a, lo a lot, a large range of different types of work you could find yourself oh, in. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a fun one, actually. I, I was watching... Um, it was one of the Avengers movies with some friends and they always stay for the end credit scene. So as I was watching the credits, I saw that there were a couple welders in the credits and I was like, what? And so I was like, wow, a movie welder for like set design. I didn't even think about something, yeah. something like that. So I was oh, like, yeah. wow, that's a cool. To be cool. a Hollywood welder. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? That? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of, that that made me realize that there's got to be 
so many other other different types and um, applications of it. Mm-hmm. We have many, I won't say many, but several students who have gone into set design oh, really? um, work. There's a few big companies down toward the Newburgh area and mid Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, the, even some of the smaller theaters up here upstate need fabricators to do, um, you know, historical restoration is another aspect, you know, repair work on, on different architectural uh, components of, of older buildings. But that set design is really interesting because a lot of times you're doing carpentry, you're doing a little metal, you're doing some design work, you know. So I've had several students that were real creative um, go into set building. Yep. Yeah, that's really yep. cool. That's a neat one. Yep. And we do mm-hmm. have students that have gone underwater. Um, <laughs> that's like the coolest always- and scariest thing I've ever heard. Very. Yeah, seems really yeah. scary. Yeah. <laughs> And I got to tell you, the unions are always looking for people that, again, we have a hard time supplying their need. We have structural iron workers that need people. We have um, boiler makers that we have a good relationship with that really need people. Um, Even the plumber steam fitters, which you hear the name plumber and you don't necessarily associate with welding, but the Plumber Steamfitters Union does some of the more creative welding of any of the unions because they build sanitary tubing in, into their pharmaceutical facilities and Navy um, shipyards. And they're building a lot of highly technical plants that require a lot of stainless steel infrastructure. And some of that welding is very highly skilled. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, Miss DeWald, I feel like even though I've had you in class before, I still feel like I learned a lot from you today. And I think it, it almost makes me want to be a welder. <laughs> like, <again>. Right? <laughs> yeah. I but think- I will note, you know, it's, it's a hard job. It's, there's a lot of low paying welding jobs out there as well, you know, I think we need to be realistic about the fact that we're not coming out of school making 80,000. We, a lot of times we're going to start at minimum wage and it can be very monotonous depending on where you mm-hmm. are, you know? So you, you, you know, I, I think that you would be a great welder, Syrah, and you can do that if you want to. But I also think that you're, <laughs> you're on a great path yourself, which can involve welding because a lot of the mechatronics majors do, some machine designing work, for example, that requires design as well as fabrication of and uh, engineering of different machines. So you can also take this as part of a bigger picture of what you're doing. Yeah, no, I think it's good to have a realistic picture of it. And um, as yeah, we're talking about reality, if you want to be a welder, you do have to be aware of those Maybe downsides isn't the right word, but the less glamorous parts of making something beautiful or structurally sound and you will get burned. <laughs> you will get burned. 
Well, and I also think that it's good to know just in general welding, no matter what your career path within STEM is, because if you don't know, understand how welding practices, like how welding works and how it's used, you know, maybe you'll have more of a trouble designing something or getting in contact with your welder to, to design something. Um, just all of those other applications that welding reaches, you got to know if you're in STEM, how it works. Um, so I think, yeah, regardless, it's good to know about, and even just try just to kind of understand yourself, how, what welders do. That's a good point, Haley. Like if I'm say just a engineer to the bone and I don't understand welding, maybe I'll ask for things to be made out of materials that will not be, will not have a lot of integrity over time or won't work well together. And do you feel like that's a problem you could run into, Ms. Dewald? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the reason why, you know, we are teaching your degree um, this full (laughs) year sequence of welding, right? Because there's a lot of students that love it and will continue with it, but a lot of students um, are gaining a background understanding so that they can apply it more towards a a more of a blue collar engineering uh, application. Definitely. Even just communicating with their welders who they're going to be designing for or working in a facility where they want to automate. A lot of the mechatronics majors um, do automation of different manufacturing or production plants and the equipment is going to require modification that requires metal work. So having that baseline understanding of how some of that stuff works is I think very helpful and it's, and it's a fun, it's also a really fun hobby. You could just do it because it's fun and you can have a little setup in your garage. Right. And it's something that's accessible. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Welders can be pretty expensive, but they, they can also be manageable. Yeah, it's definitely a good first date uh, activity. So I would recommend. I mean, look where we are. Two years going strong, Haley. So it worked out. It worked well, for you. Yeah. On that note, let's go on a different note and <laughs> ask you. We're going to wrap up with sort of a fun question. And so as we always say, the one other time that we did this, uh, we're gonna ask you a fun question, but we want it. We want you to take it really seriously in a fun way. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Okay, Haley, do you want to ask the question? I would love to ask the question. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> you've been given an elephant, which you cannot sell or get rid of. What do you do with said elephant? Well, you obviously That's have right. to keep the elephant. <laughs> mm. You have to make it an elephant sanctuary mm. and get a second elephant. Would you More weld elephant? together this said sanctuary? <laughs> yes. In fact, I once looked at a job that was welding fencing throughout thousands of acres of an elephant sanctuary. No. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That is a serious and true, true anecdote. That did happen. Wow. Wow. We didn't plan that. (laughs) I think 
working at the elephant sanctuary and having said elephant would be a lot more interesting than welding <laughs> acres of fencing. <laughs> it would definitely yeah. not be boring. That's for sure. <laughs> but you would have the perks of seeing the elephants. That's true. Of course. We could be like that instead of like Tiger King, like the elephant queen. Is that elephant like a queens. cool name? Yeah, elephant queens. Yeah, that's what we're gonna make the podcast name this this time <laughs> around. We had computer queen, no, <laughs> elephant welding queen. Maybe maybe <laughs> let's discuss that before we go with that like decision. Elephant welding queen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. I, I see. Haley, what would you do with your elephant? Mm. I'm still thinking. I would have to sell the house and get something bigger. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good idea. I feel like I would want to make it like an indoor pet. So going about that <laughs> might be might be challenging, but maybe you could train. I don't know. Maybe you could train the elephant to weld. I've seen where elephants like they train them to like draw pictures. Oh, like paint and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, with paint or something. So maybe I would train it to like do something interesting. I think that might be rough. I think yeah. the, welding, the welding elephant yeah. might might be a little rough. What as long as think? it's got its PPE, then <laughs> <laughs> just giant helmet PPE. I I feel like it's hard enough teaching myself probably to weld. Then I think I might have my work cut out for me teaching an elephant yeah. how to weld. <laughs> what about you, Cyra? What, what what would you do with said elephant? Oh, see, you guys got me thinking, and I really do think. Well, so I live in an apartment right now so that's definitely and i have four cats that would probably take care of my cat problem <laughs> yeah probably. you have an elephant on your keyboard yeah <laughs> get rid of my four cats but then i would have yes yeah a lot more to deal with um i don't know what i would do with my elephant i think maybe i would make oh and i we bought some land i forgot about that mm. we could keep it on our land and I would probably, I'm so bad, I would probably charge admission for people to come see it. Is that bad? <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> this is America. Capitalism. Right? You guys would be able to see it for free, though. Okay. Okay. No, well, then, now you're okay with it. <laughs> now you're like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you could design the elephant-sized uh, safety glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe okay so how about this maybe if i charged admission for this elephant with safety glasses that i feel like people would come to see uh maybe we could use the money to fund something for women in stem maybe that would be like the there you go because i don't go. necessarily need to keep the money but i think i would i would be tempted to make money off of it somehow <laughs> I <don't know>. ruthless i <laughs> right know i'm the worst <laughs> well thank you so much miss dewald slash amanda yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, for joining us we we definitely had a great time chatting with you uh, i hope our listeners are also inspired to look more into welding too and maybe one day uh hashtag plug slash secret ask we could do some instructional welding videos figure that out and Haley and I are working on a YouTube channel that will exist one day so maybe we could feature you there doing a little tutorial or something if you yes I'm it. happy to help in whatever way I can and I, I I think it's a great project and I I uh 
loved seeing you both. I think you have a, a great impact on young people, especially, you know, you want to think about those 11 to 15 year old girls and all the uh, influence that you, that you can have just by talking about these things. I think that that's an important part. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. as former 11 to 15 year olds, we uh, <laughs> really understand the need for women in leadership. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, just some last minute podcast things as we wrap up Um, in general uh, to our listeners. We'd love to hear your feedback. So reach out to us. Uh, We have a Facebook page and an Instagram uh, at the lash cast. So, yeah, let us know what topics you would like to hear or other women in the world of STEM we could talk to or about. And also, if you're liking the content, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast where you listen. This will help in notifying you when we release a new episode. Yes. So thanks again, everyone. I hope that you will join us for the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.